verse 12. An unusual, an unusual descriptive phrase from the Apostle Paul here in the book of Hebrews. I guess that's if you believe like I do that the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews. Some uh, take issue with that, but that's another, another discussion for another time. Hebrews 12, 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. What, what a graphic picture, illustration, word picture for us to read today. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Preaching this, this morning on this subject, drooping hands and weak knees. And no, I'm not preaching about age. And I'm not preaching about being old. From the onset of the church, there have been promises of power and position to the New Testament church. From the very beginning, Jesus told his disciples just before he ascended into heaven in Luke 24, 49, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He told his disciples on that day before he left, go to Jerusalem and stay there because something is going to happen. You're going to receive the promise of the Father and you're going to be endued with power from on high. And this set the standard and the expectation for the New Testament believers. Listen as Mark recorded what Jesus said uh, in the same setting uh, just before he left. Mark 16, 17, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. During his ministry of three and a half years, with the apostles, Jesus taught the concepts of power and anointing. He let them know that they would be anointed with power, that they would operate in the power of God. And even while he was with them, they did operate in the power of God. In Luke uh, chapter 10 and verse 17, the, uh, he had previously sent out 72, and when the, the 72 went out, they, uh, they did great things, and they did wonderful things in the name of Jesus. And when they returned, they said in verse 17, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And in that same setting, he told them this familiar passage of verse in the 19th verse, Luke 10 Behold, I give you authority. King James Version renders that power. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. 
and nothing shall hurt you. And nothing shall hurt you. You see, I hope, I hope that you're catching the thread of, of what Jesus said and what Jesus taught. Nothing will hurt you. I give you power over all of the enemy. He talked about faith in Matthew 21 and uh, verse 21. Truly I say unto you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree. Now, I, I might, uh, they were passing by a fig tree and, and uh, Jesus had cursed the fig tree because there was no fruit on it. And when they came back by the fig, the fig tree, it had withered up. And he said, you'll not only do what's been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, and I believe he was pointing to a literal mountain. I don't think he was talking about some fictitious mountain or some symbolic mountain. He said, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it. Underscore this, if you have faith. Jesus, on this earth, taught his disciples the importance of having faith and believing and believing that God would work through them and would do great things. As a matter of fact, during his ministry, Jesus commended people with great faith. There came a centurion to him one time, asking him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home. He's suffering ter terribly. And Jesus looked at the centurion and said, I will come and heal him. The centurion stopped him in Matthew 8, 5. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. He said, Jesus, all you have to do, you don't have to come to my house. All you've got to do, Jesus, is speak the word. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, no one in Israel have I found such faith. He believed that what Jesus said he would do, he would do. Do we have enough faith today to believe what Jesus said? The song that we just sung said, he said it, I believe. He said, it's done. He said, I believe. He said, it's done. Do you feel that way today? Is there faith in your heart that says, Lord, if you'll just speak the word? There's another story we find in the word of God where a woman with an issue of blood snuck up behind Jesus. She worked her way through the crowd because she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just bend over and reach and touch the bottom of his robe, I'll be healed. She had suffered for years, years upon years, had been to many doctors and found no relief. And when she touched his garment, Jesus turned around in Matthew 9, uh, He actually, uh, he turned around and he said, who touched me? And the woman finally acknowledged and Jesus said to her in 9.22, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. The woman was instantly made well. 
In that same chapter of Matthew, we find the story of, of two blind men. They were hollering out after Jesus. The crowds told them to be quiet. The people around them said, don't bother him. Be quiet. You're making too much noise. But they kept hollering, Jesus, have mercy on us. They kept raising their voice. And verse 28 says, when he entered the house, the blind men came to him. And, and, the Lord, and Jesus said, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, Yea, yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done unto you. According to your faith. You see, faith is a, is a powerful ingredient in the life of a, of a believer. Faith is what activates that power of God in our life. Our walk with God connects us with the power in our life to see miracles and signs and wonders. I wonder if there's anybody here today that lift their hands and say, I believe. I have faith that God is going to do great things. I know this is a holiday weekend, and I know everybody is kind of in holiday mode. We've had a great worship service, but I still believe that Jesus can work on a holiday. I know that there are some that are not here, and there's, there's, out, there's many people out on vacation. I think I, and I say a special thank you to all of our guests who came today because you, you filled in the gaps of some of our people that weren't here. And so, so happy about that. But the most important thing I want you to get today is if you have faith, if you believe that Jesus will touch you, he will do it. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 is to me is just one of what just a powerful scripture. And many times people read over it and they don't even think about what the words are saying. But it's saying now to him who is able to do abundantly, then all that we ask or think. First, the first thing that people miss is the think part. They, they hear he's able to do abundantly above all that we ask. But when the Apostle Paul penned this, he said he's able to do abundantly above all that we ask or think. You realize that you're going to think things that you won't say. We ask for things with our mouth. We say things that we, that we are convinced that we believe that we need and we, what we want God to do. And sometimes we think, but oh, it could be better, it could be so much greater if he would also just do this. But we don't verbalize that because we feel like that might be a bridge too far. That might be just a little bit. You see, I'm assuming that you operate like me and sometimes our minds go a little further and, we, and you have 10 get the Holy Ghost and you think, oh, but wouldn't it be great if there was 100? And maybe you don't say those words because you're afraid, well, that's just too much to, that's just too, oh, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And the next part about this verse that I feel like most people miss is the last line that says, according to the power that works in heaven. According to the power that works in the pastor. Uh, according to the power that works in all the apostles. 
No, us. You know who us is? Everybody take your hand and point back at yourself. You and me is us. Now, I know that's not the proper English, but that's the way, that's the way it falls today. You and me is us. All of us, us, when you read the New Testament scriptures, especially the epistles, uh, the word us means the church. He's able to do exceeded abundantly above all we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, that worketh in the church. We're not waiting on the power of God. You have the power of God. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, if you've been bought, uh, bought by the blood, if you've been born again, you've got the power of God and the power of God working in us is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or even think. This is, this is where the church is supposed to be. This is what our thinking is supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to operate. When we prayed for Rita Overman a few minutes ago, that wasn't just a, a filling up space and just some religious ritual. That was bringing the power of the Almighty God right here to this spot where she stood and said, in Jesus' name, we believe for her healing. We believe that there'll be no complications. We believe that everything's going to be okay and that both of them are going to have peace. Back to a verse I already read. I want to go back to it. Matthew 16, 20. He said to them, because of your faith. For I say, I tr for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, the mustard seed was the smallest of all seeds, a little tiny little seed. You'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing shall be impossible. Catch that last line. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Now, you're sitting there thinking, well, what in the world does this have to do with drooping hands and weak knees? And here's, and here's where we're at. Here's, here's the point. When we are in a great worship service, we feel the power of God. We feel courageous. We feel strong. We lay hands on the sick. We call the name of Jesus. Oh, we even think of emphatic ways to call the name of Jesus. You know, it's not just a Jesus. It's Jesus! We, you know, we, we, we Pentecostals are, we're, we're quite an excitable bunch. And that's all right. I don't know, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm thrilled about it because that's us. When we get in the presence of God, we make commitments, we agree to things, we pray for things, the Spirit flows, and that's the way it's supposed to be, and that's great, and that's wonderful. And there's not a demon in hell that would venture up to us at that point. Oh, if you only knew how much power you had over demons in hell. Jesus said, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. If the devil could take you out, you'd already be gone. 
think about it. He's, he's, in the, he's playing for keeps. He, he's, not, he's not just lollygagging around. And if he, could, if he could take you down and take you out right now, it'd be goodbye for you. But he can't. He can't. He doesn't have the power. I'm not saying he doesn't have power, he doesn't, but he doesn't have the power to take you out because what you got is greater than what he's got. And when you're in that time of anointing and the, and the presence of God, the demons are not going to come against you. The devil himself wouldn't come against you. But when the lights are turned out and everybody's gone home and you've returned to your life and the cares of life overtake you, then the devil begins to move against you, attacking your weakness, attacking your, your failure, attacking a moment of concern and frustration. And then you feel the weight of the cares of life. Where's your power then? What, what about those times in your humanness that you look at the promise of God and you don't see how it can possibly happen? What about when the circumstances of life seem to overwhelm you? Someone might say, well, it's not supposed to be that way. You're, you're a child of God. You're not supposed to get overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. And I've heard it said, you know, we talk about under the circumstances. We're not supposed to be under the circumstances. We're supposed to be above the circumstances. And I get all that, and I understand all that, but I also know what really happens sometimes. Sometimes life gives you a beating. Many years ago, I think it was in the 70s or early 80s, more like, more like the 70s, there's a song that came out. and It was a real popular song to sing, and I didn't like it, and I ridiculed it. And the song said, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot. You just got to use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. Anybody ever heard that song? Yeah, look at this. Oh, my word. That's more than I thought. That's awesome. Maybe we should sing it. Just, just joking. I used to talk, oh, oh well, that's no good. You, no, you can't sing about little faith. We're supposed to be people of great faith. Jesus never commended little faith. He rebuked little faith. He commended great faith. But then over the years, I began to see and work with people and talk with people and pray with people. And I began to, I began to understand. When I, when I was a young man and heard that, I, I, it was easy to be against it. But now that I'm a little older, and over the years as I have grown older, I, I begin to understand when Jesus said, faith has a mustard seed. 
Sometimes in your struggle and sometimes in your difficulty and sometimes as you're being tossed about by the sea of life, you might just need to have a little bit of faith. You say, well, I, 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 don't, I don't have great faith, but, but I got just a little bit. There was a time that the disciples followed Jesus into a boat in Matthew 8. And in, and in verse 24, a great storm arose and the boat was swamped by waves and Jesus was asleep. And they woke him and they said, Lord, save us. We're perishing In verse 26, he said, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? He arose and rebuked the winds and sea, and there was great calm. And I looked at that and studied that, and I thought about that, and sure, their faith was weak, and sure, they they doubted. But I didn't notice this much. They stayed in the boat. There wasn't nobody climbing over the edges and saying, hey, we got to get out of this thing. It's about ready to go down. You see, sometimes in your walk with God, you just got to, you just got to get a hold of a scripture. You just got to get a hold of a song. You just got to get a hold of something and get your hands on it and hang on. The winds may be strong. The winds may be great. You may be tossed to and fro. There might just be a difficulty in your life, but you got to get a hold of it. And you got to say, hey, I'm hanging on. I'm staying in the boat. I'm staying with Jesus. I'm hanging on through the storm and I'm going to be here when it's over because you want to know something? The winds are going to pass and the storm is going to die down and the waves are going to go away and Jesus is going to come to your side and he's going to want to see you hanging on. I'm here. Just a little bit of faith. If that's what it takes, that's what I've got. Hallelujah. There's another time in Scripture. Where Jesus came walking on the water. Simon Peter said, Lord, if it's you, Matthew 14, 28, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And over the years, I've heard preachers criticize Simon Peter. I've heard them preach their messages about Simon Peter's little faith and him getting out of the boat and getting out there and looking at the waves and looking at the storm and then start to sink. But as I reread that story and as I thought about that story, I have to say at least he got out of the boat. All the other 11 stayed in the boat. They didn't take the risk. But he got out of the boat. 
And so you can criticize his faith all you want to, but he was doing something. He was getting out there. He was getting something done. And maybe he got overwhelmed in some circumstances, but that's okay because he didn't have no faith. He just had a little faith. He just had a little faith. And sometimes that little faith is what you need to hang on to. Let me go back to a scripture in Psalm 103, verse 14. What the psalmist said, he knows our frame. And he remembers that we are dust. Those moments when you're overwhelmed, those moments when your faith is low, that, those moments when you're, you're just trying to hang on. He knows that you're just human. You're just human. He knows your frame. He knows that you're dust. Philippians 4.19, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He said, for my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What do you need from God? Where are you struggling? Where are you wrestling? What storms of life have come your way? My God will supply all of your need. You see, he's in the business of operating in your best interest. And what we have to understand is that he knows what's in your best interest. It's not a name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, what, you know, whatever. Whatever I want, I call, I get it in Jesus' name. You know, it's not a, it's not a candy machine. I just pull the lever and here it comes. No. He knows what you have need of. He knows where you need to be. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you should, how you should be responding. He knows the way that you should go. And so, he tells you to lift up feeble hands. He tells you to strengthen your weak knees. He tells the church to do the same, to help one another, to lift one another up, to help the drooping hands and the weak knees of people around us. Galatians 6, 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Notice that, you who are spiritual. I underlined that. If anyone's caught in the transgression, if anyone's struggling, if anyone's failing, if anyone's sinning, we don't need everybody running to them and, and people casting judgment. We need spiritual people coming to their side and saying, hey, I want to pray with you. I want to restore you. I want to help you. I want to I get you through this. Keep watch on yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. Bear 
one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. Lift up drooping hands. Strengthen weak knees. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he's something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But just for the next few moments, and I'm, I'm hurrying to a close here, I want to talk about the context of our text. We, we want to I want to look at what the Apostle Paul was talking about. In the seventh verse of Hebrews 12, he, he talks about discipline. For it is, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. How many, how many like discipline? For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline... In, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? And so the Apostle Paul is talking and he's saying that the Lord disciplines us because he's our heavenly Father and just as a natural father disciplines his children. How many have ever been there when you thought a father should step up and discipline some children? Yes. It's a part of life. Fathers and mothers discipline children to make them into the young man or the young woman that they need to be. And our Heavenly Father disciplines us and corrects us and convicts us and rebukes us. And the old timers used to say, I got a Holy Ghost spanking. And the Lord does that because He wants us as His children to grow up into the mature child of God that we need to be. You see, obedience has the power to change a person. When I was raising my kids, they're all grown now, all married. Some of them are raising their kids. But when I was raising my kids and I told them to do something, I didn't ask them to explain it to me and tell me why they had to do it. Only thing I wanted them to do was obey. They didn't need to know why the trash needed to be taken out and what the day of the week was. I said, take out the trash, get up, take out the trash. I'm not always saying it was that easy. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying the concept of obedience is that people don't have to understand it. They don't have to know the reason behind it. But by my children obeying me and obeying their mother, they learned and they became profitable citizens and profitable people in the community. And the same way works with God. When God speaks to you, you need to do what he tells you to do. Even if you don't understand it. It's, it's even if you don't know why. Because God doesn't always have to tell you why. He's the Father and he tells us what to do. And by obeying him, he molds us and he makes us into the children of God that we need to be. And sometimes when we don't obey him, he brings the spiritual discipline. 
the Holy Ghost spanking. He chides us. Sometimes he allows a brother or sister to point something out. Now, we don't like that. We, we, we don't want people messing with us, do we? Yeah, we, we, need, to, we need to get over some of that in, in our culture, but that's, that's, another, that's another subject for another day. But he convicts us, and he challenges us, and he's only doing that. He's only disciplining us. He's only making us feel bad. He's not making us feel bad, making us feel sorry because he loves us to be, be in tears and in sorrow. He's doing that so we can grow into what he wants us to be. And that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 10, he says, They disciplined us for a short time, talking about our earthly fathers, as it seemed best to them. But he, Jesus, our heavenly Father, disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness, that we can be conformed to him, that we can be like him. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Sometimes as we're disciplined by God, we feel that pain. Sometimes he lets us go through trials and tests. Sometimes that's a part of the discipline. Sometimes it's not a part of discipline. Sometimes trials and tests are just him molding us and making us and helping us to be and become what he wants us to become. Sometimes life hits us like a tornado. And our hands become feeble. Our spiritual knees become weak. And there's the 12th verse. Where therefore lift your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Lift up your hands. Be strong. Stand in spite of the knees being weak. Verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Make straight path, make a level path. Make the pathway passable so you don't provide more injury to yourself. In other words, don't shoot yourself in the foot when you're struggling. And how many times have I seen that? in years of pastoring. Someone's struggling. Someone's being hit with the storms of life. Difficulties have come their way. Well, I'm just going to sit here. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to pray today. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I just don't feel like Things are not going well. I'm not going to read the word. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, I'm, I'm struggling. Yep. You know, when you stop praying and you stop reading the word, in a time when life has got you in a tailspin, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. You're just, you're just allowing all kinds of crazy things to happen. 
Or get this one. Well, I'm not going to go to church. I'm, not, I'm just not going to go for a while because, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm, life is too difficult. That's, that's really smart, isn't it? Separate yourself from the people that love you. Separate yourself from the people that have the power of God that can rebuke the storm in your life. Oh, well, I want Jesus to do it. Well, quit looking for Jesus to do it and let the church do it because I've already showed you the church has the power. When you make all of these decisions that are against the word of God, you're just, you're just, you're just throwing yourself out there to greater trial, to greater tribulation. In other words, don't quit praying. Don't quit reading the word. Be in the house of the God. Uh, be in the house of God. Be in, be in church. Be here. Be in your community group. Don't skip the community group. Keep working for the kingdom because you see, Jesus has cleared the way directly to his throne if you stay on the right path. When you've, when you've done wrong, when you've sinned, when you've erred, you know what? There's a human, there's a human element to run from God. And you find it all through Scripture. People ran from the presence of God. But that's not what the Bible actually teaches to do. When you've done wrong, when you've sinned, when you're in the middle of a storm, when you, it doesn't matter. When you've got a mess of things, you should not just walk to Jesus. You should run to him. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Stand with me. Let us then with confidence draw near the throat of grace. Catch this. I'm so ashamed. I've done wrong. I've, I'm so ashamed. I've, I've not, I, I didn't do everything I should have done. I, I'm sure I, I just, I got this thing. Oh, I'm so ashamed. I got, I've made a mess of this life. I've, I've been through this struggle. And, and no. You say, oh, I'm, I'm coming in like this. I'm no, with confidence. What's it say? With confidence. Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace. I don't care what a mess you made of things. Throw your head up in the air and march into the throne room. Why? That we might find Mercy. Anybody ever need the mercy of God? Or what about this next thing? Grace. What is grace? The unmerited favor of God. You mean God would give me favor? When I've, met a, when I've made a mess in my life? That's what the scripture's teaching. With confidence, go to the throat of grace that you can find mercy and grace to help win. When everything's going good? No, when you're, when you're in a time of need. When, the, when, when life has overwhelmed you. At the very time that you want to run from God. The very time that you want to run from the church. 
the very, the very time you want to distance yourself from the Word of God, the very time when you want to distance yourself from prayer, that's the time you need to say, uh-uh, no, 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 I'm running. I'm running to grace. I'm running to mercy. I'm running to the throne room. I, my flesh doesn't want to. My flesh says no. My flesh says I shouldn't, but my spirit, I know in my spirit that's where I, what i got to do, and you've got to let the Spirit guide you and draw you. Every person here, every person here, I don't care how long you've walked with Jesus, you'll at some time have him chide you. You'll have him rebuke you. You'll at some time have him show you what you should have done that you didn't do. And every one of you at some times are going to feel the Spirit reach out and draw and pull you closer to him and pull you away from things. And every one of you is going to go through valleys. And there's other times that he's going to allow the storms of life just to come over you. But he's teaching you. He's disciplining you. Your hands may feel feeble. Your knees may be weak. But lift up your hands. Stand strong. He's on your side. The faith team is joining me here at the front right now. And regardless of where you're at today, maybe, maybe he has rebuked you while I have spoken. Maybe he's just a gentle tug on your heart while I've spoken. Maybe you find yourself in the middle of a storm and you feel, you feel yourself being overcome right now. Maybe there's just something in your spirit that says, I, I've got to touch God today. I don't know where you're at. Everybody's in different places, but I challenge you, come. Come to the front. Come and join us here. The faith team is here, and I'll be joining them in just a second. And Justin will be, will be taken over here at the pulpit. But the faith team is here. If you need prayer, if you are sick, if you need prayer for a storm in your life, if you need prayer for something you're dealing with, you could go to any one of these faith team members. But if... If you just need to respond to God, just come here to the front and just, just stand here and as, as they play the music and just come, just respond to God today. Amen. Can we allow the Spirit of the Lord to draw us today? The Word of the Lord has gone forth. Won't you respond right now and let the Spirit of the Lord, His Word, just penetrate your heart and mind won't you come here today, stand here at the altar today and allow the word of the Lord to wash over you, to touch your mind, to bring strength to your spirit today. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we need you today. You see us, God, where we are. You know our circumstance. You see, God, the things that we're dealing with in life. You know where we stand in our relationship with you. We call upon you right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just lift your hands right now and begin to respond to the word of the Lord today. Find strength in his word today. Find strength in the spirit of the Lord today. <laughs> 